Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, NBA fans, we have a special playoff pod for you. We are wrapping up the play-in tournament as we speak, actually, as the Warriors and Grizzlies are battling for the final number eight seed in the Western Conference. We're about midway through the fourth quarter actually got the game playing here uh we're gonna uh go back and forth maybe here we'll see how that goes <laughs> but guys the play the playing tournament got off to a forgettable start as charlotte and indiana played the first game tuesday night these two teams have been mercifully eliminated uh, good riddance <laughs> as the uh <laughs> wizards blew out the pacers last night thank you thank you thank you <laughs> thank you oh, wizards and i was proven right this entire time we'll come right back to that michael that game was close, uh, the Pacers versus Wizards, until the Pacers decided to put in players off their bench. And then it quickly turned into a blowout. And only players off their bench. Yes, right. Sabonis is great. Sabonis is wonderful. Uh, but uh, that bench, oof, ugly. But the Lakers and Warriors game lived up to the hype as the game came down to the last minute when LeBron hit a three-pointer, a prayer from about 10 feet behind the line. Uh, right before that, LeBron had taken a hard fall and hit his head a couple minutes prior. He then took a script out of the movie Rocky IV. We know LeBron's been using some movies of late uh, <laughs> and said that his vision was so blurred that he could see three baskets and he literally shot at the one in the middle. That's the, uh, when Rocky goes into the corner and the corner man tells him, Rocky says, I'm seeing three of them hit the one in the middle. So it worked. Curry's reaction, if you guys remember that, he just looked at it right after he made it. He was like, seriously? But the uh, Lakers came through. Unfair. Okay, so so was LeBron intentionally referencing Rocky IV, or, or do you think his corniness just came full circle to Sly Stallone's script writing? I think LeBron is a big movie buff. I think everything he has is it's, it's a narrative that feeds in. He, he pulls from all these different movies that he watches over and over again. If he says he dies, he dies. If he uses that one coming up, look, look out for that one. <laughs> Would that be confirmation that he's just as corny as Hollywood scriptwriters, or that he's really just referencing old movies? Uh, all of the above, maybe. Well, yeah. Is is the odd thing that half his teammates probably won't even understand his references? It's like you, he's a, he's officially achieved old man status. Geriatric millennial. He's a geriatric millennial. <laughs> LeBron has always been operating on a on a whole nother plane, so this just kind of feeds into that too. But it, did it when, not just feel like this was a late the game that the Lakers were going to win? I mean, Golden State they had their chances, but it's just, it's like the guy that we interviewed the Mavericks guys at crane where we said it's always the lakers the yeah. memory the lakers they always do this well that was the look curry gave him was that like how can you, that's my shot you just shot my shot and you're six nine two sixty like how does this how does this fair what you can do <laughs> would you guys say i mean curry had had a really good game he shot 
I think he was like 12 of 23 from the field. Uh, I mean, was, get him more shots, 100. Steve. Get him more yeah, shots. More shots. More shots. <laughs> well, he had 37 points on 23 attempts. I mean, it just it, it the remarkable efficiency. You know, he was so in control the entire time. I mean, outside of some of the casualness with the ball getting stripped by Caruso and then and then sort of being so confused about what happened that the entire offense didn't get back on D and and, and I think AD got fouled on transition. So, I mean, outside of a few kind of miscues there. It just it was an amazing performance yeah. that I really did think up until about two minutes left. It seems like they were gonna they were gonna pull it off, um, and it's just it to me watching that game. I think one of my most my the most remarkable takeaways I had was not so much Curry's dominance, which I mean was was amazing, but Draymond's effectiveness against a player like Anthony Davis. I mean, what Draymond was able to do in stifling Davis for much of the game until they really put him exclusively at center and he was playing next to LeBron. Uh, But in those one-on-one scenarios, I mean, it was really a substantial difference maker in terms of, you know, how effective Draymond was in in terms of contributing that kind of defensive presence in the middle. I mean, I I didn't, I wasn't sure if he had it in him. Obviously he, he lives with a certain sort of reputation that would expect him to be able to do that. But 80 is a whole different beast and man, he showed up. Yeah, it was impressive. I mean, he, the physicality that Green can play with, you know, like the aggressiveness he can play with. He got that early technical foul, and I definitely got concerned that he was going to get another one. But he, he definitely just set that tone. And it's fun. It's fun to see players you can do that. It's fun to see the refs allowing that to occur where someone can, can assert physicality, assert aggressiveness in a way that can kind of take control you know, on the defensive end, and that, that still can happen even in the modern game. Um, you know, it was really, really great to see. The thing that was funny to me, the funny thing about, about LeBron is, you know, I think what happened is when when someone gets near your eye, like if you're a kid or an adult, if someone, like, gets their hand next to your eye, you, you definitely understandably have anxiety. Oh, man, Wiggins. Your guy Wiggins, d <laughs> um, Oh, man, the third... The third version of the apocalypse just blew a bunny layup right there. Not Meanwhile, Memphis holds an eight-point lead with under five <laughs> minutes to play as John Morant sets up the offense. 11 seconds left on the shot clock. He moves around. Curry draws a foul. No, kicks open to Brooks for three. No, sorry, dead ball. It's really hard to watch on ESPN. <laughs> Somehow we're watching this together, and you still have a delay. Somehow yes. I don't know But I think anyone who is – you know, gotten someone got poked in the eye. You kind of are like, you know, my is my eye. Did I lose my eye? Something go on, but it definitely transitioned pretty quickly from, man, something must have happened to me to I'm fine because when he made the three over Curry, he kept like emphasizing that he couldn't see. He's like, I couldn't see. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't see. And it's like, what, what, <laughs> did I make it? Did I make why it? Why do you have to tell? You know, it's just like okay. It just it definitely feels like he goes quickly from like. He's just self-aware enough that it's like I, I need to kind of give some license to this and kind of present it in a certain way. That's what I feel like to me. I feel like he was genuinely scared at first that he had hurt himself, but then, mm-hmm. you know, after the eye drops for three minutes, I think he was okay. He, he is an entertainer <laughs> at the same time. I actually have to say, Draymond was so good defensively that I felt kind of bad for making fun of him when he said he was the greatest defensive player ever. Because that that was a it was an all time great performance. I will say though, remember when Draymond used to have? I know he can distribute. 
create opportunities for other guys on offense, but he used to be able to score. He used to have some, some confidence <laughs> in shooting shots and getting to the baskets. He seems so tentative around the basket. It does seem like well, every time he nice goes to the rim, could... AD was stuffing him. So yeah, there's that. It's not exactly this, a better. This is... When you get blocked on two consecutive dunks, it's, <laughs> you might as well just start passing again at that point. Yeah, touche. But this it doesn't seem like this is an isolated thing for him. It's just the, the offensive game. It is a very weird circumstance. No, it's a really weird. He, he has. They said tonight he was the – only player in history with more rebounds and more assists than points in a season. I mean, it's like for someone to play that much, have the ball in their hand that much, be that important to their team and like score so little is like, you know, I mean, it got, we talked about though, it got, it got in his head, right? I mean, he's got, it's in his head, both about his shooting, but also just like, you know, I mean, it does, guys, this does happen even to, you know, high school basketball players have been known at times to, you know, stop shooting as much. They might be considered a very good shooter. Their coach may even say, hey, we need him to shoot more for the team. But for whatever reason, he might not. So, you guys, I, where I'm sitting, this seems very understandable. This makes perfect sense. Very reasonable response Draymond has made. And let's just leave it at that, okay? So, But with Draymond, we just we see some of the, the self-doubt in the moment. Like uh, – I didn't see that in your game, Ryan. You were decisive. You were decisive, Wait, baby. D, what are you? What are you talking? What are you referring to? What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm saying you could have fooled us, but Draymond Dray- is not fooling us. Draymond, yeah, he's he's. Uh, there's no mask for Draymond. He's definitely telling the whole story, and it's too bad because if it's like it's always easy to look at guys and go if they were a little bit better, but it's like honestly, if he his scoring was about 10 percent more, like that would make their team. With Curry, like it would be a jump. I mean, the thing about them is that they they were like thirty eight and twenty five without with Steph. I mean, it, we talked about I think last week, but it's like they were really good without Steph. I mean, I think Zach Lowe pointed out they were plus eleven with when Draymond and Steph played together. I mean, that's like you know, and they play a lot of the game, so it's it's just. Uh, I mean, it'll be too bad if they get knocked out tonight because it would have been fun yeah. to see them in one of these one eight in the one eight matchup, but uh, yeah. Did you have you guys heard when people were describing this as the Wiggins revenge game against LeBron? <laughs> <laughs> so I saw someone tweeted that someone like a Minneapolis like a Timberwolves beat writer tweeted that, oh yeah, Wiggins always gets up for LeBron. It's like what? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, that's the thing. I don't know. I was just like, well, oh wow. <laughs> Wiggins has had a reputation for not getting up for any team, for yeah. any for any other team. Yes. I guess it's the only one. Can I can I just say the other thing from that game that I think is so it's so illuminated what you know some of the questions you have right if Draymond sort of proven who we thought he was to a certain degree you know AD I can't I walked away from that game really leaning into this idea that AD is like the perfect second option and really is is not well suited to be kind of a lead dog for any extended period of time I mean it just I walked away from that game, and I, I don't want to overblow a single occurrence, but it felt very explanatory of what happened in New Orleans. I mean, it felt like all of those minutes that AD played without LeBron, and again, LeBron was in a bit of cruise control early in that game, that first half, and then started to really assert himself late. But um, when AD was sort of in there by himself, I mean, there's a lot of Dennis Schroeder deferrals going on throughout that game, which Schroeder was a total nightmare for them. Uh, whereas... 
you know, he got playing with LeBron. He was getting lobs. He was getting action off of LeBron. He's getting and finding him in his right spots. And he's like such his skill set is so unique defensively and as a shooter that he really does play perfectly off of LeBron. But if you put him in a different position where he wasn't necessarily um, playing off of a, a player with that skill set, then all of a sudden he does sort of fall off and he doesn't give you, you know, a lot of his skills aren't exacerbated as much as, as they are. I mean, it just was a fascinating thing to walk away from. Um, and it does, you know, it really, it really reminded me how substantial LeBron and his health is going to be going into this playoff run. I mean, if they're going to be what I think everyone assumes they're going to be, which is some semblance of the favorite in the Western conference, if not in the league, LeBron has to continue to get healthier and healthier. I mean, even though he did really turn it up in the second half, I mean, he, he was not demonstrating the lift that he normally has or the assertiveness that he normally has, or even going into the post. I mean, Michael LeBron, LeBron warned us. He's never going to get back to hundred percent again. Okay. I mean, what were you (laughs) expecting? No, he was going post early. You're totally right. He, he, I mean, I think that was. I think again, Zach Lowe. I think his his flag for the game is if if you know LeBron's in it to win. If he starts posting up at some point, and he posted up like the first play of the game, and I was like, uh oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> if LeBron thinks he has to go in the post for the beginning, that's a little bit uh, a little bit scary. Uh, but you're totally right. I mean, it, we going back. We we talked about it a few weeks ago, but there was there was a someone on Twitter point you know raised the point if if AD switch with Giannis, like how good would Milwaukee have been the last couple of years? And their take was that he they wouldn't even make the playoffs. And you know the game against Golden State, you know we kind of looked at it and we're like, well, he's still really good, and you know he made the playoffs at least one time with not the best supporting cast in New Orleans outside Drew Holiday. But it's like games like Golden State, you're kind of like. He de- definitely floats like he wants to float. Like he doesn't like playing center. He like wants Drummond to play with him, even though Drummond is really like a, ne- a net negative, particularly against good teams in the playoffs. And he doesn't like. It's just weird. Like I don't know. If, I'm sure the coaching staff wants to do it, but you don't. You don't see them doing a lot of like actions where he can get the ball in the move, you know, and kind of like it's either like pick and roll, pick and pop, or like trying to post him, and it's just. He's, he can't just score in those sorts of ways. And I think that's offensively, obviously defensively, he's so special being a big guy who can switch and, you know, he's just a game changer defensively. But that's the part problem offensively is he's just, he's not a killer in the post and he's not a killer like with the ball in his hands. He's, he's a jump shooter, so which is amazing. But it's a little bit like Paul George, right? I mean, it's like, at the end of the day, Paul George is a jump shooter. He's a great jump shooter, but he's not, he can get a shot off against anybody just like Davis can, but it's not like he's going to go get buckets near the rim yeah i think that's really well i think it's well said and i think that is it's again it's why it plays so well off of a player like lebron and why when he has to be the primary option you know he has stretches where he'll make three 18 footers in a row and then he'll stretches where he just throws it to dennis schroeder and stands there yeah right and i mean schroeder it's really fascinating watching a team like the lakers after last year's run right where you have a player like rondo and I think Schroeder felt like a little bit of an upgrade over Rondo. And it turns out like they got an upgraded like Lou Williams and not an upgraded <laughs> Rajon Rondo, which I think is going to truly be kind of a challenge here coming down the stretch. You know, what what does what is their crunch time rotation? Does Gasol get some more minutes? Because obviously Drummond is a bit of a problem uh, in a negative sense. Yeah. Who's but their fifth guy? Because it's going to be Davis, LeBron, Caruso and KCP. And who's the fifth person? 
which is such a weird dynamic coming down to the, where they're going. I mean, it, it's, it, it is weird though, to me, the playoffs are lining up in such a way where they're going to, they're going to have the opportunity to both, you know, I mean, I guess they're ultimately going to have the opportunity to, to have a good run to the finals. I mean, it's about, it's broken as well as they can. And I guess they can thank the Clippers for, for allowing it in a lot of ways because they're ultimately going to be able to, they have the Suns in the first round, which as a two, seven series is about as best as you could hope for if you're in the seventh seed. And then they're going to play the winner of that three, six series, which is going to be Blazers nuggets, which nuggets aren't exactly at full strength. And I'm not sure the trailblazers are, are, are striking fear in anyone's heart. Uh, oh, they're sure sort of they the, are. They're striking they're fear like, in Denver's heart. Whoa. Oh, exactly. I know who's striking fear in Memphis's heart right now. It's the Golden State Warriors roaring back. We are now under two minutes left. The Grizzlies had a five-point lead, but Jordan Poole got fouled on the three-point attempt. Hits the first two. It's a three-point game. It's anyone's game now. Nice little rally here for the Warriors. Derek, it's great to see Draymond out there coming in hard, finishing some layups near the basket, showing that offense potential we need to see from him down the stretch. Yeah. Two two consecutive baskets, I believe. Um, he might be having a career high for a point total uh, this season. With, with those back-to-back lands, it'll really turn he the corner He might be at double him. digits. He might be at double digits. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, to the hoop. Oh, I, I oh man! Look this at is, this. It's coming down the stretch. This is wonderful. <laughs> Curry has the ball Rant. down by two. One twenty oh left. Barely missed the layup. Curry gets in the lane. He's, goes to the hoop. He is fouled. Chance to tie the game. As we wait for these free throws, I one of the things that's really fascinating to me about Curry's season, and it really again kind of struck me in watching that playing game a couple nights ago was, you know, I think I talked about this at the beginning of the year and it reminded me just how much we may have been robbed of some of Curry's peak of his power seasons because they got Durant. And there's a lot of reasons I think it probably feels like we got robbed, whether it's... Um, we got robbed last year because he got hurt and then Clay got hurt, man. That would have been... How, how totally. cool would have been to see him and Clay and Draymond last year? I mean, what we're seeing from him this year is like, man, they could have made a run. They could have made a run in the bubble, man. They could have made a run. Hey, guys, I'm sorry, but our eyes, are my eyes deceiving me on that last play? Was that a phantom call? Was Curry not actually touched going to the hoop, and did Memphis possibly already lose their challenge? Because that did not look like a foul. But admitted, no, I think admittedly, it was the choppiness the, of the stream. The choppiness of the- <laughs> did Valanciunas foul out? We, where's he the statistician? So. <laughs> it is a tie ball game with one just about a minute left. Kyle Anderson is going to set up the offense for Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking the Warriors for Warriors at a 9-0 run. Jaw's going to get the screen. Back to Kyle Anderson. He's going to eight seconds on the shot clock with Curry guarding him. Gets to the lane. Pulls up for the eight-footer. He was fouled. We need to get you Walton in here for for your color guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great on the play-by-play, D. Keep it going, man. <laughs> I used to do this in, uh, in college. My, my roommates, they would play John Madden football, and they'd turn the – the sound down and I'd do the play by play. <laughs> so this is the moder- the po- podcasting uh, play by play of a basketball game. People yeah. can't see when they're listening. To yeah. Us. I don't know how, right. I don't this think it's so riveting for our uh, is, audience. We've but come a long way from Madden 99, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we do this for our own entertainment. <laughs> Kyle Anderson hits the first, gives him a one point lead, 55 seconds left in the game. 
I mean, that was a weak call on Valanciunas, but it was also a pretty weak call right there on Anderson. He got him, but it wasn't like, you know. That's what we call a makeup call, folks. Ooh. And he hits two. The guy you won at the line, apparently, toward the end of the game. Kyle Anderson, two big free throws. And Steph Curry is bringing the ball up, folks. <laughs> Steve Kerr is bringing out all the stops. <laughs> Working the pick and roll with Draymond. Draymond's open at the uh, oh 10-foot line. Feeds it over to Poole. Oh Poole back to Draymond. Back to Poole again toward the hoop. And it's blo- – no. Sorry, this is really hard to call. It's the greatest Wiggins. player in Wiggins Minnesota history. Wiggins on the putback to get ball game. Oh, my gosh. The two for one did too. Yeah. With no Valanciunas, they don't know where to go with the ball. But they're gonna they're gonna well, hold they it. Don't, they can't get like fifteen offensive rebounds either. Job penetrates to the hoop, There's gets the double, team. kicks it out. Kyle Dr. Brooks rips over to Kyle. Oh, a three. Kyle gonna drive, kicks That's it back so... out in the corner. Oh it no twenty four second shot clock oh, violation. Wow. wow, the Warriors wow. will have a chance to Memphis win. is imploding. Memphis <laughs> they is imploding. Are. Impressive. I'm curious what you guys think. Are games like this good for these young teams? Obviously, there's there's a lot going on right now. Yes. I can't de- I, I can't decide if this is like a... Eight seconds. All right, Curry's got a, it. Draymond's looking to get the screen. We're at five, four, three. Double team comes to Draymond. Oh, my gosh, oh he's going to shoot at the buzzer. <laughs> no, that is not what you want. You do not want Draymond shooting just, at the buzzer. Just... Right on cue, Draymond. We were just six. talking about you gaining ten percent better of offense. Oh my gosh! A six-foot floater in the lane, and he missed it by a mile. The double team. Oh man! They left him open in the Don't lane. Don't set the screen away. Don't set a screen. Yeah, he didn't need it. Yeah, he didn't need Get it. Get out of the way. Go straight I mean, D'Antoni offense on this. Oh, I mean, they're was... they're definitely they're definitely the trapping backboard. him at half court, no matter what. It hit the backboard. I mean, in defense, it hit the backboard. They're trapping him at half term, no matter oh, what. Man, oh man, it hit Draymond. the backboard. <laughs> no, no offense, Dad, but that was a little bit of a Jimmy and he pushed shot right there, dude, off the backboard. <laughs> Jimmy, he would have nailed that. Draymond uh, didn't hit anything oh, true. there. Otto would have hit Did that. Did he get blocked? That was like, oh no, Michael. I agree. They would have trapped him anyway, but I do think. When you put everyone down low, it just it gives him more room to operate, and it doesn't just mean an automatic dump pass to Draymond because they're like, yeah, we're good with that. Give it to Draymond, play four and three, and airball a floater. I can't decide. I, it's so funny. I was watching the Grizz Spurs game a couple nights ago, and I I had this takeaway that the I like most guys on the Spurs but they're all best classified as like fourth and fifth men on good teams. Yeah. So I, I kind of had this takeaway that I said, Oh, the Spurs, I guess are what a team would look like if you, it was a team full of like fourth or fifth options, uh, which means you have a lot of DeMar DeRozan and like Rudy Gay and DeJounte Murray hate taking like 16 foot pull-ups, which is really not an efficient basketball in the year 2021. Um, but you know, it, to me, we talked about, uh, you know, the Grizzlies last podcast. And I think to me, these games are so helpful as these guys come together. I mean, they have really 10 solid players. Again, something, some resembling sort of fourth and fifth men, but then you have jaw, you have triple J and you have these guys that potentially could ascend into another echelon and really take them over the top. And if they, if they can do that, then all of a sudden 
um, it's a it's a totally different ball game for the franchise going forward. And and I think getting this experience, whether it was last year, absolutely sucking in the bubble and then losing in the play-in, or here, whether win or lose, you know, having the opportunity to play these high stakes games. I mean, I can't help but think Jaw is going to continue to come back better and better and better, which is really fun for the league and really fun for the Grizzlies franchise. They need another guy, though. I mean, they just need another guy. That's the hard part for them is they need, you know, it's been a weird season. Obviously, Jackson being hurt a lot of it, but they they need somebody else to go along with these dudes. But, I mean, they could. They Dylan could, Brooks just raised his hand. He can still do this. Said, no, but to, to go along with him. I mean, they just need another guy in that kind of, even like you're saying, like a third dude or a fourth dude as opposed to a fifth guy. Um, yeah. Quick question for you, though. If you traded um, Steph Curry for the best player on Memphis, John Morant, or traded him for the best player on – let's just call it DeRozan, even though he's not the best player. If you switch Curry into the Spurs for DeRozan or into Memphis for Morant, who's the better team? I don't know. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's obviously a, it's obviously a – it's a really interesting question because it is – the depth on both of these teams, compared, particularly compared to the Warriors, that's basically running out G-leaguers past like guys like 6, 7, 8. I mean, they're running out G-leaguers at like number 4. So, I mean, their crunch time lineup is including two guys that were in the G-league this year. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You're not – that's not even uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm not, not even using that not as a pejorative. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Like Juan Toscano Anderson was on a two-way contract all year. And for the geeks listening to our podcast, if you're still listening, well, kudos. But if you're listening, a two-way contract typically has a games cap and it was waived this year because of COVID, which allowed players to play longer periods of time on these like hybrid contracts where they can play in the G League an extended period of time. And, you know, there's all these rules around it. And they basically waived them all, which allowed Juan Toscano Anderson to play like 28 minutes a game. For the Warriors, Steph ties it while up. Curry with he's the step on back, eighteen footer. I mean, he's literally a G leaguer. It's a, it's it's crazy to me. So yes, I think especially. I mean, the Spurs again. They're such a fun team, but man, they they are missing some. It's like a car that can't get into third gear. I mean, but Pirtle and the, all those wings and Steph will be pretty. I mean, pretty interesting. Totally. But Grayson Allen says, Allen "Come play with me, Steph. Come and join me." Corner. You know, there's like multiple G leaguers on this floor for the uh, for the Warriors when Kyle Anderson is like a physically imposing presence on the court, <laughs> blocking shots. Uh oh, another one for Allen with the steal and oh! one more three hits again. The unexpected hero for the Memphis Grizzlies. Crazy another Allen. loose turnover wow. for Draymond. He and Steph, one of their their Achilles heel. I have to blame that one on Curry. Draymond for three. Oh. Draymond for three. Oh! oh my goodness. No way. He does it. Draymond hits his my first three-pointer of the season. My favorite download Draymond story, which, I, I mean, it's mostly remembered, but in case there were listeners at home, is when Draymond basically gets suspended for game six in the finals. It, it's 3-3 three, three in the 16 finals, and he ends up going, I think, six for seven from three-point land. Like a oh, guy right. who's like a 30% career shooter. He was shooter. the only he guy who totally showed up. Out yeah. in game seven. He was the only guy. That's a great yeah. point. The Warriors are down by one with two minutes left. Curry pick and roll with Wiggins. Wiggins left side, 19-footer. Jump shot no good. Out of bounds. We're going to stay here, though. So was Kyle Anderson quicker when he was in high school and he was a five-star recruit that went to UCLA? Or did they think he might get quicker? I've always wondered that. I mean, like, he couldn't – was he – did he get – 
like in a gruesome injury that reduces quickness or something. <laughs> or is it, I wonder if he had like just he had his high school stats were so remarkable that he just couldn't you couldn't you know you couldn't think about not him not playing division one basketball it's like john brockman averaged like 40 and 25 i think his senior year it's just like at a certain point you're like i guess i have to put you on a division one basketball team you just yeah. don't know what quickness is until you're in the nba <laughs> i think you're quick that's right you don't, you don't know what quickness is there's game speed i guess but yeah it's just interesting because i guess yeah he was like six nine and could handle and shoot and do everything so he probably just destroyed people but like you know you're getting ucla offers like high level five-star offers just with with that level level of athleticism, which is not off the charts, it's just it's pretty interesting. I mean, he's made a great career out of himself. I mean, he got a big contract with Memphis. He, you know, I mean, any anybody who can get a second big contract in the NBA is legit, man. Yeah, so, good for him. I mean, if if Jer- if JJ Junior was the star that uh, Memphis was hoping he could be, obviously he's had a injury plagued season. And he's, uh, you know, his flaws have been pretty evident. But if, if he could somehow, and maybe it's just not realistic, but reach a, a caliber of play where he was even just, I mean, not an all-star, but even sort of the next tier below the yeah. all-star, yeah. you know, could could that be the what they need? I mean, yeah. need no, some no, other no, surrounding it. pieces. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's if- like we always say, though, right? I mean, to a certain point, it's job making a jump to being like a, all NBA type guy. Yeah, that's as much as anything else. No, it's it, they have they have John, they have Jackson, they have Dylan Brooks, they have a bunch of other dudes who can play. It's just like, can they get a, like an, one one more, two more guys who are like high level starters? Maybe one other guy. Oh my gosh, Draymond. Draymond opts not to shoot to the <laughs> six foot floater this time. Oh, Ooh, Curry with the miss out. three. Oh. Offensive rebound, pull for three. Got it. And the crowd goes wild as the Warriors take a two-point lead with 145 left in the first overtime period. Hopefully the only overtime period here. (laughs) We talk about Dylan Brooks sort of trucking Steph Curry on that three in the corner too. (laughs) Forgive the pause here, audience. uh, We have wrapped attention on the game here. In the corner, who hit that? Number two for the Memphis Grizzlies in <laughs> a quarter three-pointer. Oh, oh, Xavier Tillman. My apologies to oh, what Xavier and his family. Wiggins doing? <laughs> Wiggins with an ill-advised oh, three-point attempt. Memphis has the ball and up by one. We are at a minute to go. That reminded me of Draymond's shot just from three. <laughs> All backboard. <laughs> Charles looking for the double pick. It's going to go right. Curry helps. Steps back. Resets. Three seconds on the shot clock. Goes oh, inside over Curry. Wow. Now that is how you shoot a six-footer dream on. With authority. <laughs> <laughs> Curry's going to have a chance to possibly tie, but shh, we got a foul. He's Hold shooting everything. two, right? He's shooting two? They should be in the penalty, I believe. Or are they doing the... Oh, it's actually not a oh, continuation. Uh, like we we don't call continuation on the <laughs> on the three point line, but we call it in the key. That's see, that's all NBA right there, Michael. Yeah. Right, get in the lane and just. All right, Curry's got the ball coming off straight, the pick. D-Rose. He's having trouble getting oh, an open three. Oh no, oh, no. Wiggins going. Oh, oh no! Inside. Oh my gosh, Draymond! Draymond. Not Draymond oh my goodness! Off to pool. Oh no! Pool loses it out of bounds. Oh no! Devastating, costly turnover for the Warriors. 
Memphis has the G- ball. G-leaguers everywhere shed a tear. <laughs> Warriors are going to have to make something happen here on defense. Grayson has the ball. He's getting and... double-teamed. Kicks it over to Tillman. We Tillman to, to Jaw. You're going to have to foul. You don't have time. You don't have the luxury. Wait, oh, they're no, going to just gonna, play it out. Down three with a four-second oh, differential. This, that is, is, this is not wise. Wow. Time is not on your side. That's a uh, that's a move. They're going to let it play. Wow. Shot going inside again. It. Oh, oh, say goodnight. Say goodnight. Oh. Turn out the lights. The Warriors need a miracle so, now. Michael, Down do you think it, five. Was it, was it good for the Warriors to play in the plan again this year and get the experience for next year? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. You know who that reminded me of, Michael? A little Derrick Rose right there. A little spin move and mm. spin move. Just well, welcome to the dark side. Power drive. I love the power drive. A little floated on the spin. Oh, he's wow. he's he's excited. A star is born tonight, as Michael. Right on cue, as Michael was saying. Uh, oh my goodness. I mean, my, it's so funny. Well, having watched this game versus the game a couple of days ago this weekend, I mean, he's five for ten from three. I mean, it's just how much it changes. You know their ability to perform when he's you know shooting the rock like that because he's going to continue to have it. I mean that's a, the, that's the fascinating thing. But now, what? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, but also he, I, I do think when he hit the threes, you can see his engagement level and his like he's he's attack he's in attack mode as our our uh, you know as Mark Jackson might say he's like actually he's putting his head down and going. And I think that's the thing. Even these guys who aren't great shooters, I I do think shooting, getting going. Like it just kind of it helps them realize, hey, I just can go to the rim, put my head down, and just go. Because he, that's like going hard on a guy and then spinning back to the middle for a pull up little floater is that's not an easy shot. I mean, that's it's an impressive move. If, if you're uh, Mitchell and Conley watching this game right now, are you like, oh great, I don't have to chase Steph around, but oh wait, I have to have that guy <laughs> going downhill on me. That yeah. kind of sucks. Pick your poison. Oh, oh, go Bears. Oh, oh no, and man, pool hit a corner three. To cut it to two, two seconds left on the clock. Out. This is not over. Well, they have no as, timeouts, as though. You could hear a pin drop, and Warriors fans were leaving the building. Curry's family looked dejected, but they have a little bit of hope here. They don't have any timeouts. Man, yep. Dylan Brooks did a nice job avoiding a foul because that actually mm. was pretty close. Yeah. Him, like, coming behind him. So, D, Oregon, Oregon alum. What you've seen from Dylan Brooks as a as an NBA player is that wow, look at that footwork. That's Ray Allen esque. Wow, just right there. Yeah. Oh, wow. You always point that left foot in, tilt that left foot in. <laughs> oh, look at that. That is perfect. It's a game of inches, millimeters. How much work has Poole put into that? I mean, how many times has he done that? I mean, that's yeah. not – I mean, what Ray Allen did is, like, will stand the test of time. I mean, be able to get that rebound, that pass from Bosch, and then to step back and find the line in the corner when there's so little space. These guys are tall, big guys with, like, big feet. They, it's like there's no space over there. Poole doing a Ray Allen impression. Memphis has one timeout. Golden State with no timeouts won't be able to advance the ball, even if they foul here. 1.7 seconds left. A chance to put it away. I think it's already away. <laughs> we are just awaiting the final moments, but it does look like this one is uh, pretty much in the bag for Memphis. So looking to Saturday, guys, and what game 
or series jumps out to you the most that you find yourself most excited about? We start the day off with uh, Miami and Milwaukee. Let's just stop rematch. right there. That's yeah, where that's I pretty be. exciting. <laughs> Did you guys see the report? I think Shams had a report that, you know, I mean, I think it's just like every three months he just reads the same report is that Jimmy Butler is getting on the nerves of the coaches and all the players on the team. And like, there's a lot of conflict behind the scenes. <laughs> it's like, Jimmy, we're not as welcome. <laughs> that that's we've never seen that before. Yeah, really? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going with Milwaukee. I, uh, the supporting cast for Miami. I don't, I don't think they can pull a rabbit out of the hat. They played bad for 72 games. So I don't really see how they're going to do better. And I think Giannis is a chip on his shoulder. I agree. I think I think Milwaukee is gonna is gonna. Um, I think they have a run in them. I mean, I know they have a tough, they have a tough schedule and a very the toughest opponent maybe in in round two. But uh, I think they're gonna look sharp. I think Miami. It's you know again like I said before, teams can figure out a way to come together at the right time. But I just don't see it happening for them either. I think I think Drew Holiday is. Uh, we're gonna see the value of Drew Holiday in the playoffs here. So I like I like Milwaukee. So, Michael, who do you got in the Heat Buck series? Yeah, I think ultimately Milwaukee just it feels I don't know, maybe I'm up to my hopeful my wishful thinking, but it feels a little different this year with Holiday and 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 even Giannis maybe being a little bit saltier, a bit more locked in coming into you know, coming off of it I guess two seasons that ultimately ended in disappointment. I mean, that that to me has to be a big change. It does feel like a pivot point for that franchise. And if they lose again, even in the first or maybe in the second round, Albeit the second round maybe is a little more acceptable given they they'd be facing presumably the Nets. It just it, it there's not a lot of other ways for them to go. I mean that's the really weird thing about that franchise right now is with the holiday trade they kind of pushed all their chips in, and and they're gonna continue to be good. It's just how good and and if you can't get over the hump with that current nucleus then what do you what do you do? But you run it back. Are you trying to continue to build with fringe pieces or do you look look to move someone like Middleton? who, you know, obviously has a lot of value, but isn't quite uh, maybe what they, what they need or looking for. I mean, it just is a, it's a kind of a, it's fascinating in the grand scheme of like how much that series matters compared to any other series kind of that, that's going to be going on. Do you guys think, will Drew Holiday guard Jimmy? Or do you think it'll just be Middleton and then like they'll just, he'll, he'll be able to jump on him at times. I guess it depends what, what, uh, I guess what Giannis could guard him, right? Like. Lopez is guarding bam to start with yeah i i agree i mean if they if they don't obviously they lose coach Bood is going to get the boot um and you know i i personally would not i mean i i all the options would be on the table but i i think the problem with the team isn't those three guys it's just like the rest they have around them now and the coach they have around them so you know if you can get out and get a coach that can sort of add some value there and if you can shake up the bench again, maybe get some better pieces this time. Um, they're just giving a lot of minutes to guys who are not are marginal. I mean, it's a little bit like it's a little bit like the Blazers, where their their bench is just shaky. And I would actually, prefer, I mean, there's just a lot, they, they play guys like Brent Forbes or Conan, those those guys. It's just a lot of minutes for those guys, and it's just they shouldn't. They really shouldn't be playing that many minutes on a on a on a really good team, um, but they don't have they don't they they just have the three guys they don't have, 
you know, the, the depth of in the starting lineup even to have it. So, but I, I like their chances to win. Um, any other matchups tomorrow that catch your eye? I think obviously for, for most of our listeners, Blazers Nuggets is going to be a fun one. I think who, kind of being, who, the night, who, who? being the nightcap tomorrow is, is, uh, it'll be a fun way to wrap up the day. But I, Honestly, I think Mavericks Clippers feels like a, a series that's getting a lot of conversation, and I just I am not particularly interested, or I mean, maybe interested is the wrong term, but I'm not particularly hopeful that that is going to be a competitive series. I think obviously, you know, tooth and nail last year, Doncic I think dragged it to a four-two series loss, and I'm not sure there's much to suggest that that's going to go very differently. Yeah, Repeat. coming into the coming into this year. Yeah, I think if you want to know how the Warriors-Clippers series is going to go, tune into last year's bubble playoffs, and uh, I think we're going to see a similar show. I, I think it's the it's the the least uh, intriguing matchup of all the, the Western Conference. Uh, but it, since you mentioned Blazers, uh, Blazers in six <laughs> is my prediction over Nuggets. <laughs> is Rodney Hood coming back for this year, or is, is he not able to make it? Excuse <laughs> me. Sorry, Rodney joking. Hood sa- sa- saved your guys' season two. We have two our eight-man rotation. I know the bench is nothing to write home about, but we are going to burn the starters. They are going to play forty did, minutes. Uh, did you guys see that they, they they asked Joker about Nurkic, and he said they didn't know how to play together five years ago, but they could do it today because Nurkic is a great passer. I want to see it. I want to see Nurk joke, man. Give me the joke, Nurk. Yeah. Or the Nurk joke. In the modern game, that would be so amazing. It would just be so fun. They'd just be, like, blasting people. <laughs> that would be... Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I just... We talked about that matchup extensively last week, or I guess on Monday. It was... it was The hard part for me for the Blazers is just Porter. It's like, who's actually going to guard Porter... Covington's going to try, but again, his one-on-one defense isn't off the charts. So, like that should work. Like Nurkic against Jokic, another big guy. He can give him some. You know, he can kind of stay in his own there. And Covington against Porter. So, I get if if those two guys can play some defense, then and those are the strongest defenders in that group. Then, I mean, that's going to be a big part of it. Is can you like slow those guys down? I kind of look at it as when um, like two countries are, are going to war and then one country has to say, like, can we can we get bombed and and regularly bombed and still survive and win the war? Meaning that Joker and Michael Porter Jr. are going to have a field day. They're going to kill us, but we can still survive it. We can survive that bombing and still prevail. That's what I believe. So even though the Nuggets will have drone superiority. You can still survive. You can still. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Exactly. I got you. Okay. Blazers in six. Michael, who do you got? Yeah, I think ultimately I find myself with the Nuggets. I'll go within seven. I think it'll be a competitive game. I think the I think the bombing's going to go both directions. Uh, and I think ultimately what takes it is is who's the best player on the court. And I think ultimately in this series it's going to be Jokic. I mean, he's going to you know be the defending MVP before we know it. And so. I just that to me is going to be a bit too much for for the the depth the lack of depth and and the Trailblazers, but I I think it'll be a fun series. I mean, it's certainly up there in terms of the series that I'm most excited for. Um, you know, I I'm concerned that both of them are going to get either the, the regardless of the winners going to get smoked in the second round, but um, 
that's a whole different conversation. Oh, I was I was I was nice to make it six. I was considering five. I just wanted to add real quick. <laughs> so, you, Michael, so you're saying that the Lakers are going to smoke them in the second round? You're not saying? Yeah, I, I just I think that um, you know a lot lots of things can happen certainly, but I just think the Lakers. I still am sort of choosing to believe, and maybe this is misguided. I'm choosing to believe that LeBron is sort of slowly ramping himself back into some some semblance of, even if he's not back to 100%, some semblance of, you know, 85, 90, 95%, and that him with Davis playing off of a player like himself um, and, and KCP and Caruso and, you know, patchwork the rest of the rotation is just going to be too much to handle both in Phoenix and then going into the, the second round. Yeah, I mean, this is seeming a little bit like Hawks Wizards from the preseason because I also have the Nuggets winning in seven. Um, yeah, I just think I just think Jokic is so good, and I think they can get enough out of their guards that they can they can do some stuff. But it's going to be a fun series, um, and I, and, I, and I I think I'm with you guys on the Clippers. Like I, I think we're they're sort of looking at. You know, we we all remember the bubble because it only happened, you know, how many months ago, and it was Doncic was insane in that game and we in that series, and we all thought the Clippers were going to probably go to the finals or you know conference finals at least, and so it was like, wow, he's really doing it with them, and this is amazing. So, so I, I'm with you. The Clippers will win that, but man, would any of you be surprised if they lost? Just because they're like such a mess. <laughs> it's just like I, I I don't know. I mean, we ran through it last week. I mean, I think. Jeff Van Gundy's like, oh, they're the most talented team in the NBA and they should make it. I'm like, have you looked at their roster recently? I mean, they definitely have like, I mean, Kawhi and George are great and they have other supporting play. They have, they have a good team, really good team, but they don't, it's not like they're like a murderer's row, <laughs> you know, when you get outside the top few guys and Beverly's been hurt and everything. So, but I, I'm with you. So, so I guess we have Clippers. Um, I guess, where do you fall on Phoenix, LA? I, I I'm with the Lakers winning that series as well, but where do you fall on well, that one? Can I ask, can I say one question really fast? Just yeah, if the Clippers lost, how would that affect someone like Kawhi Leonard's legacy, given the last five six years of his career? I mean, wh- where how would that how would you perceive him if he lost in the first round after what happened last year, but also what happened the year before, and then in, obviously in his stint in San Antonio. Well, I think I he'd think, be very fortunate for him that there was a rash of Achilles injuries in the Warriors team because otherwise he wouldn't have a championship to shield him from how his uh, his weak performances these last years. But, D, what were you going to say? Well, I, that's a good point because I was going to say, you know, winning two titles with two different teams, even though – well, I guess he was MVP of the 2014 uh, NBA Finals. But I think you, you build up a lot there, so I feel like he would need a, a, a couple more – it's a good point. Flame outs to really hurt that legacy. So, um, but yeah, he, he couldn't he couldn't withstand too many of these kind of quick exits. And then we've just seen John Morant coming out party. You know, leading Memphis to an overtime thriller victory against the Warriors. Do you guys give them any chance against Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz? Like they they're capable of making it interesting, but yeah, I don't no. I don't see them pulling off an upset. Definitely not. 
N- no. There's a gentleman's sweep, and the person throwing a party right now is Rudy Gobert. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't true. all have to find That's out true. that Rudy Gobert's a fraud. He gets to basically That's put Jonas Valanciunas in a straitjacket for four, for four to five games. That's true, <laughs> man. I, I, I was thinking Mitchell and Conley, who do they want to face? But, yeah, Gobert's like, yes, I can drop off every screen and roll. It's perfect. <laughs> We're all going to walk out of this series in about 10 days after they go, they, they win 4-1, and we're going to go, man, Gobert really deserved Defensive Player of the Year, and John Morant really needs to learn how to shoot. So oh, and, uh, and by the way, yeah, I do say Lakers as well over Phoenix, although I'll be um, with all my heart rooting for the Suns. But Same here, man. Go Monty, go, go, Monty, go. Go, Monty, yeah. go. So we've covered the Bucks and the Heat. It sounds like we're all Bucks. Michael, you with you with the Bucks on that? Are you gonna go? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm certainly more tentative on it than it sounds like you guys are. I, I just think there's that Heat team again. Just I don't know. Maybe it's Heat culture wearing off on me, which I think is sort of hilariously ironic. But uh, it's wearing off on Jimmy too. It, it appears they, they, so. they do concern me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Jimmy Jimmy Butler's like that salesperson in your organization is a total pain in the rear, but like blows away his quota by fifty percent every quarter, and you're like, <laughs> well, I guess it's worth it. That's a great- <laughs> No, he's like this. Yes, that's a great point, man. That's a great point. I that's a that's perfect. Um, so in the other series, let's maybe jump over to the Knicks and the Hawks. It's a little bit of a you know. Or do you guys want to go to Wizards Sixers? <laughs> I, They're both of the playoffs, I, I, guys. Way to go! Way to go! The Sixers. Congratulations, Michael. I just want to just remark that I think my prognostication was actually more accurate than Derek, even though, you know, maybe I thought I was more wrong in my assessment of the Hawks, given they made the four, the five seed, but uh, my wizards pick was spot on. So feel, feel rather uh, take a victory lap on that one. As you should. Never a doubt. Congratulations. Remember never, never a doubt. Right. When they, when they were three and weren't 15, they, I was going to say, yeah, weren't they two and 17? So do, don't do, check the tape. Do I have to write a letter? Is that what happens? <laughs> yeah. I think that if we both were right now, uh, okay, the Knicks and the Hawks are going to be a fascinating, I think series just, it's going to be fun, entertaining basketball. I'm sure I would guess that most of our listeners haven't watched a lot of Knicks and a lot of Hawks so far this year, but it, every game has the possibility to devolve into like a mid nineties, like, Julius Randle pull up fest and also has the opportunity to do, like evolve to like a very 2021 type of basketball game with literally everyone on the Hawks just chucking threes. I mean, that's they're just the style of these two teams and obviously the Knicks bring it defensively. So I think it's going to be a fun series to watch, uh, but I think the styles will be a bit jarring given the way those two rosters are, are comprised and the way those two teams play. So I think it could be could kind of be a fun a fun series to watch. I like the Hawks. I'm excited to see John Collins. I like him a lot. He was on the trading block part of the season and had his ups and downs. So I'm I'm I think he's going to take the challenge on with Randall and um yeah, it's going to be a fun fun series. But yeah, D, who do you got in that one? Well, the only thing I did wrong with the Hawks is that I underestimated them. They were better than I thought. Michael, I think you did say that they were a fantasy team and that they were not going to get in the playoffs. And I know you're you you did better than me. Wait, so we're I checking the rock, tape here. I check the just tape. Saying, just saying, sometimes Our, a fantasy team <laughs> has enough talent to win enough games. So uh, should be a good matchup. But I'm going Hawks. Going Hawks. I'm going to go with the Knicks uh, and Julius Randle. We trust. I mean, what an odd like 
if he gets fifth in the MVP ballot or sixth or something, I mean, it's there's guys if we look back on these like third team NBAs or like like MVP voting, there's always a few random guys in there, and I I have a feeling this Julius Randle season is going to be one of those where where maybe he's not going to duplicate it into the future. I'm not sure it's reproducible to shoot in the mid fifties on mid range jumpers much into his career. I mean, there's like three guys that have ever done that. So, uh, but, but it's been fun. I mean, he's certainly, you know, I, as much as Madison square garden gets a lot of praise for being sort of the Mecca of basketball, it is fun to watch MSG sort of rolling when, when basketball matters there. So, um, it, it does. I, I for one, feel excited for that series. Well, it's going to be really fun, particularly in New York, but also in Atlanta, actually, and all these all these arenas with fans being let back in. I'm even watching the game tonight with the Grizzlies and the Warriors, seeing a good amount of fans back in, even in California. So it's going to be like ma- – imagine being a Knicks fan, you know, just the how poor they've performed for so many years. You've been, like, stuck, you know, watching them – have this great season, not be able to go any games, and now they're going to open it back up for the playoffs. I mean, the, I the garden is going to be going crazy in Atlanta. I mean, I, I, you know, that is a great basketball city. Um, you know, the kind of the environment there kind of waxes and wanes, but that could get fun too. It'll be fun to see how that um, impacts everyone. Did you? Hey, did you, but did you guys see? Did you guys see the? Some of the uh, footage and everything from Westbrook and Embiid. Did you? I, I was. I did not remember that they, they had some. They had some conflict a couple of years ago when he was in Oklahoma City. There's a great interview. It's like a 10 second snippet of Westbrook after the game when he and Embiid got into it. It's a. It's great. It's on there. Um, you can find it on Twitter, or YouTube, or something. So I'm actually pretty excited for Westbrook being like, kind of on the hunt, <laughs> even if they just get run out. I mean, what are you guys feeling about that, that series one, eight Philly DC? I mean, my fearless prediction prediction for the Washington wizards, I think, you know, has been proven correct, but I am, I am in no way bullish on their playoff hopes. I mean, that team, I don't know. I, I, this might be a hot take, but the Washington wizards, you know, they're such a unique structured team. And I think you sort of expect, I had this expectation that you're going to see with Beal, and every time I watch them, I step away from it being like, is Beal just the king of the, the the sort of like all stats, no no wins team? Like, is that is that his his destiny? Is like to be the king of that, like the best version ever of that? Because it just he it doesn't feel like he affects games for how good of a player offensively he is in the way that some of these other elite offensive players do but he still averages like 36 and six. Like it just, it feels like it's the most deceptive 36 and six when, when you watch him, Wait, 31 just, and six, whatever, whatever it is. No, 30, 30, like six rebounds, six, assists, oh, 36, right? six. Like, yeah, sorry, sorry. I was like, yeah, oh, 36, not, not 36 wow. points. Wow. No, yeah. that'd be a lot, but it just, you know, it's like, it's, I always thought about Zach Levine was the captain of that team, but maybe, you know, maybe Beal's the player coach or something, because again, it's just, it's just a really weird situation because when he has the ball in his hands, he's like just clinical. But when he's not, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he kind of goes full hard in a bit where he just sort of like stands there and doesn't really affect anything. But he obviously is not a playmaker in the way that a player like Harden is. It just, it's just sort of a weird deal. And I'm kind of curious to see what the rest of his, his career plays out. But uh, I think regardless coming into this series, 
I, I, I'm bullish on the Sixers' uh, chances, and it certainly is breaking well for them to get to the conference finals. I mean, that's it, to me, it's just the whole entire Eastern Conference is angling to that second and third, those second and third rounds, because those are going to be such a fun sort of matchup, uh, I think, in, in both games. I'll just say maybe the Wizards could steal a game. Um, that's about it. Sixers. Yeah, I agree. Borderline. I, I do. I do like that. That the Wizards have a couple centers. Of course, they play one of the th- the one of the three they play a lot is the worst one by far. But they have two other centers that are both yes are both good and like it'd be fun to see them both take you know take twelve fouls against Embiid and just kind of you know get physical with him. Um, but I, I mean, if you're Ted Leonsis, are you kind of like, oh great, we made the playoffs? Can I still can I still not resign Scott Brooks? Is that still okay? Because <laughs> Michael, to your point, like we're not going to see what Beal can do in like a modern NBA offense until Scott Brooks is shown the door. I mean, he's still he's running the same stuff from you know two thousand eleven Oklahoma City, and and Westbrook loves that, but it it doesn't really like do much off the ball or sort of anything creative. Um, so in addition to his strange substitution patterns, he also doesn't necessarily have the most progressive offense so we'll see what happens i mean if masai ujiri who just called out the toronto ownership i mean that's when you know like you have like that's like my name is my name sort of situation i mean i don't know if you saw this he he like he's like he's been punning on whether he'll resign in toronto this is the toronto raptors general manager considered the best gm in the league probably one of the top couple at least and oh, I don't know if I'm gonna sign. I'll talk about it for the season. So he got interviewed, and he he just said like, we gotta take some steps here. We gotta we gotta like make a commitment as an organization. I mean, that's like kind of crazy stuff to say about your boss, like in front of the media. I mean, it's just like, I mean, either he feels like it's the only way he can get what he wants from them, which is like, do you really want to keep working for someone like that, or it's like laying the groundwork for him to leave and. You could see Leonsis bringing him down. I don't know why he'd want to, like, why he'd want to come to Washington and do that unless he gave him a decent-sized chunk of the franchise. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, it's kind of owned by a bit of a conglomerate too, which I feel like, for a variety of reasons, sort of allows them to not. There's not sort of a single responsible person. That's fair. There's not like a mar- like, not a mar- sim- like similar yeah entities, right? Um, but I mean, what a what a sea change if that happened, and and just I think you realize how much ownership and you know front office matters for these franchises, and when you have these guys who are sort of ahead of the curve, it, it would be a huge game changer for 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 any franchise. I mean, right? Yeah. I, I just think you look at like the Wizards. I mean, how how fast would Beal be shipped out if if Ujiri showed up, right? I mean, I think I think so. Um, He'd build around Westbrook. It, oh, definitely. No, that's no. I I I I thought the one thing I will say about it was interesting to me is he did. I mean, I love his his attitude. It's just like we want to win another championship. It's all we care about. And I think part of his argument is it's really hard to win a championship being the one non-U.S. franchise, right? I mean, we saw this year they had to play in Florida the whole year. I mean, it was horrible for them. Um. We don't even know what the border is going to be like in the fall, like in terms of, I mean, you know, it's 
our neighbors to the north have not, uh, you know, they haven't shown to be that much more impressive about handling COVID than us Americans. So it could be a long slog for them at this point um, with the lack of rollout around the vaccine up there. So I think he's just saying like, Hey, we got to really make a commitment here. We can't just be sort of nice Canadians with the NBA. We got to really push on them. But the interesting part is he, he, he did a dream on when it came to the plans, like playing, we don't play for the plan, but it's, he didn't trade Kyle Lowry. Like, that's what's still so weird to me. He must not have gotten a good offer. He must have not got like a real offer because like it just goes against everything about him. Like he should have traded him. I mean, that's what he should have okay. done. I here's my working theory. Guys like him that are cutthroat, similar to Danny Ainge, watch the the league's response to how they treat their sort of franchise star ish players. And, and what happened with Boston when they traded Isaiah and the way they treated him, I I think there's a I think there's a blowback there to some of these some of these star players that are in the waning years is how how teams treat them really does matter and and so I think you're right that ultimately he didn't get the right offer if he'd gotten the right offer then clearly he would have probably made a trade but um, I do think there's a component of that where you don't you know it's all of these conversations are in concert with the player versus we're, we're going to shank you in a back alley because we can get a second round pick for you or whatever. Right. It's like, it's just not how they want to operate when you see the collateral damage of some of these franchises, when you don't treat your players the right way. It's definitely a plausible theory. I mean, he, you would have thought out of Miami, Philly and LA, presumably all places Lowry would have wanted to go to. He could have found something that was good enough. But, yeah, that might explain it. Um, well, last but not least, uh, Net Celtics. Who cares? The Celtics are going to lose that series. <laughs> Should we move on to trivia? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We would move I on to trivia because we don't have any trivia tonight. I, I can't wait to the, the the week of think pieces that talk about how Brooklyn has made it further in the playoffs than Boston, and they've come full circle after the the Pierce KG trade. It's just going to be you know yeah. really boring to be honest. I am excited to see Harden, Kyrie, and Durant actually play together. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't they save that for round two? I mean, <laughs> That's no right. One, don't, you know. don't show too much. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, the one thing with them is it's pretty. It will be interesting. People have said it, but like, who play? I mean, it seems like their lineup is good, their closing lineup is going to be the big three: Harris and Green, right? I mean, that's going to be, and or maybe, um, I think that's going to be it, right? I mean, that seems like that's going to be the group. I mean, Jeff Green has been playing incredibly well. Harris is a killer shooter, and you have the big three. That's a pretty scary. I mean, the way Jeff Green's playing is pretty scary because he can. He can kind of take on the tougher front court defensive role over Durant. Um, so it's going to be fun, man. This is the best time of year. It is. Best time of the year. All right, guys, on that note, the table has been set. We are ready for – playing term is over. We're ready for the real thing. The, the real deal. It's been great. It's been, it's been very entertaining. May madness. It whets the appetite, but it all starts tomorrow. And I want to say apologies to Steph Curry. The door was locked. We didn't, you didn't get into the party. So uh. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3 and D Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. 
This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit.